Full Court Fits is The Ringer's new weekly NBA video series hosted by Big Waz, a.k.a. Wozni Lambre. Each week, we take you around the world of NBA fashion and share can't-miss style choices from your favorite players and keep you up to date on the latest news and releases in sneaker culture. Waz also talks to experts like Damian Lillard's personal stylists to give you behind-the-scenes looks at how the NBA's biggest stars choose their outfits. New episodes drop every Friday, so make sure you're subscribed to The Ringer's YouTube channel at youtube.com slash The Ringer so you never miss an episode. It's The Ringer NBA Show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out Live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Whether it's taking all your little ones to their sporting events or everybody getting together and taking a ride to the beach, the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure. With features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or standard third row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Hello, and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. It's The Answer. I am Chris Ryan, and this week I am joined by Justin Barrier, my old running mate. What's up, man? Hey, man. I'm excited to talk about the novelization of the group chat podcast. <laughs> You'll love the chapter on the Summer of Can. It's a real erotic thriller. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Justin, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, today, Justin and I are going to answer the question, who is on our all-NBA playoff teams? So we have a big board. We're going to do a draft picking uh, our all-NBA teams from this season's postseason. Uh, but before that, I wanted to chat with him a little bit about these Eastern Conference Finals, which just keep marching on. Uh, last night, the Portishead game, <laughs> the, the Drew explosion, um, the Drew League, the Bucks did, did did what they needed to do at home, beating the the Hawks handily. Um, I was wondering, Justin, do you think that there are any more role players left in the NBA who could have a big night on the NBA in, in a playoff <laughs> stage? I feel like I need to go through like my fantasy team from 2015 just to see like who is going to step up and, oh my and God. lift this team to the finals. Uh, it's wild. It's funny because like going into last night's game, going into Thursday night's game, I was saying to people that the consensus was now that the Hawks were just going to cruise. They're going to win the next two and that's going to be the finals. Were you just and, like go- going up to people at Gelson's and saying that? <laughs> yeah, right. My dog and I were having a thorough conversation. As a, it really loves the Hawks, by the way. Um, and... I was saying, so that meant that the Bucks were actually going to cruise and they were going to win. And that's what happened because I have no idea what to really do with this series. And, and last night was a prime example of that, right? Yeah, I, I I felt like on the Giannis injury night, to me, I was like, but when you get done being shocked that, you know, your superstar player may have exploded his leg, but it wound up just being hyperextended, no structural damage. Shout out to Dr. Woj. <laughs> it, just be, it just becomes a situation where you're like, yeah, but Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton are still better than the Hawks, right? Like, that, that, <laughs> right. I can hold that as like a truth in my life, if nothing else. That Drew Holiday, who I've been watching since he was a Sixer, 
And Chris Middleton, who we all know is very good and and is like has one of the most diverse offensive games in the league. They, they, these guys should be able to beat, especially a Trey Youngless Hawk. So last night wasn't very shocking, I don't think, right? No. If anything, it felt like the, a smoother Bucks game than we've probably seen this postseason. Ah. There's something very uncluttered about the Bucks last night. And I, I think you have to say that has to do with something with Giannis not being there. Like, he's incredible. But I say this about unicorns and specifically the unicorns who are like those four or five types who, for whatever reason, need a, a big man next to them who is just as like uh, unique. Like you need a little bit more from every other player. So like if your center is a point guard, you need Brooke Lopez, a center, to also be like a shooting guard. And yeah. Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton can't do as much because they just like don't have their hands on the ball as much. And without him there last night, everything just seemed easy. Like they just ran pick and roll with with Brooke Lopez, either of those guys. And then when Brooke was on the short roll, he found Bobby Portis, who for some reason, I guess, is just like Stephen Curry now. Um, <laughs> and he just made open shots. And that, like it was just really simple in a way that like, I guess it shouldn't be surprising because there aren't as many things to factor in in order for them to build a game plan. Giannis is so efficient that it's hard to suggest that he in any way throws the balance off on their offense. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like he is, for whatever issues people might have with his deliberative ball handling style or some of the shot selection from earlier in the playoffs, I think he cleaned a lot of that up as they got deeper into their run. He's so efficient that it's not like you're like, oh man, we just wasted like 15 possessions watching Giannis miss shots. Mm -hmm. Um, But that being said, you're right. The flow of the offense is much closer probably to Bud's Hawks teams than they are to, you know, like, I feel like they have like a little bit of that equilibrium that maybe they don't. Now, can they beat the Suns without Giannis? I don't necessarily think, I don't think so, right? Like, I don't mm-hmm. think Drew and Chris can beat a, like a Suns team who probably feels like they're the team of destiny at this point. Probably not, especially because the Suns just like have been able to match up with anybody in front of them. They really know who they are. And like outside of the few games they had without Chris Paul, like they really didn't change much about them. And like even that they just threw in campaign into the starting lineup and kind of did what they typically do. Whereas all these other teams, both because of injuries, but also because of just like malfunctions that have been going on, like there have just been like different versions. The Bucks in particular, like I feel like they're a different team every night. And a lot of it comes down to like, just like aggressiveness. I thought it was interesting last night when like the TNT crew just was like talking about like aggressiveness, but in particular when it's okay for someone not to be aggressive versus when they're aggressive, which <laughs> spoke to me that like, nobody knows what the fuck is happening with the bucks and or just, what like, aggressiveness get... really looks like. <laughs> right. Right. And I guess if you were to play devil's advocate though, like maybe that unpredictability is like an advantage for the bucks in there. I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's a mess right now. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Hawks come in this next game. And then like Cam Reddish is scoring 30 points off the bench. I really, do you, so you think this is destined to go seven? You don't think the bucks can take care of this in, in, in Atlanta? I think that they can. I am just worried that, while what they did make sense, maybe it's a little easier to figure out. Like if they're just going to keep going into pick and roll, making it simple, like maybe the Hawks can game plan and this is their counter to that. 
right? They didn't really get a lot of big games from some of the guys they got the previous game. And so I wonder if there's still like a couple things up Nate McMillan's sleeve. Yeah, I wonder. I also, on the flip side of that, I just wonder whether like the Clippers, the Hawks are out of gas. Like at a certain point, you just kind of run out of tricks. You run out like bogey's hurt, Trey's hurt. You know, Cam is is on these like high vapors of like returning to action and stuff. But it it there's a certain point where I wonder whether or not their 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 backcourt is just too defensively porous with Lou out there, and like you just wind up like, especially if Giannis doesn't play, maybe Bud, who seems resistant to exploiting defensive matchups in typical times with Giannis out there, maybe gets into it a little bit more. You know, it's funny with the Giannis thing. It kind of reminds me of like there are these points in the Sixers season when Embiid would miss time. And if Embiid was ever like a game time decision and then the game time decision was he's not going to play, there always felt it always felt like there was something like missing, you know, with the Sixers that night. And they even played mm-hmm. like it. Like they see they almost played like we're, we have like this uh, phantom limb or something like that. And like we kind of keep looking for Embiid and he's not there. But if Embiid was just like out, out. I felt like, and and Simmons was playing, like, I felt like the Sixers actually were like, this is plan B. This is how we look when Joel is just, like, in street clothes. And that's what mm-hmm. I thought the Bucks looked like last night. Like, when, Gian- when Giannis went down in game four, I felt like they were like, oh, shit. Like, what if he tore his knee? Like, this is it. After everything we've been through. And then when they were like, okay, he's going to be fine eventually. Let's go out there and take care of business. It felt like a different team. It felt like they had the handbrake off a little bit. So it's been fascinating. I mean... You know, the Giannis injury would have been the latest in a long line of injuries that kind of has defined this postseason. And it goes beyond just one. It's basically, if you go back through all of the series of the playoffs, with the exception, with a couple of exceptions, and most notably the Hawks and Knicks, because that was that was one where nobody really got hurt and everybody was kind of kind of going to full guns. Except for Julius Randle's psyche. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) That's exactly right. But if you look at if you look at all the other series pretty much in the playoffs, there is some sort of injury that defines the, that, that series. So you can't just say it's just been, oh, the top 11 guys got hurt. Like, it completely shaped the playoffs. Now, if I had told you going into the postseason, everybody's healthy, we're going to have a Suns-Bucks finals, what would you have said? I would be surprised. <laughs> right, but not, not shocked, right? Like, this is no. still an acceptable matchup of teams, I think. Yeah, certainly. Uh, it's certainly been diminished as well, just because like we'll see what we even get of uh, of Giannis if we do get to see him in the finals if they advance. I mean, not having the big ragu in there as well does uh, just- certainly diminish things. Um, like their margin of error is just so slim at this point. Like you know, they are really teetering on the brink. It's like they're on one side a super team, and then like one more player goes down, and it's just like all of a sudden Jeff Teague from those old Hawks team is your starting point guard. Um, but no, I think you're right overall. Um, I can't say like the entertainment value has has been in what I had hoped for, especially in this Eastern Conference Finals. So do you think that's because of the because we've had some long series, you know, we've had some con- like very competitive series. But do you think that the entertainment value has been diminished simply because of the absence of those superstars? Or do you think that there's something about like the product that you've been watching that's different than maybe pre-bubble postseasons? No, I, I, I mean, I do think it's the superstar thing. I mean, last night's game was competitive. There have been a good deal of blowouts, like there, especially in the Eastern Conference Finals, where it's almost like turn the lights off after mm-hmm. halftime. Like there have been a few of those games that I think that have had a real like effect on like like you going into the night. You're like, am I going to be in this for five hours or am I going to be in this for like half an hour? Right. Um, but yeah, but I mean, like I want to see 
the best players on the biggest stage. And like, I think there are certain people out there on the internet would make you feel bad about that because like we have to protect the small markets. And actually the beauty of the game is the like strong side pick and roll and like icing and like (laughs) (laughs) that real like in-depth stuff. But like, I want to see LeBron James play Giannis or whoever, you know, Trey Young. Like I want to see that uh, with the biggest stakes there. Like that's, that is what we spend usually 82 games a month and month and month building up to to the point where like the regular season has almost become, especially this regular season has become just a training ground for I know. the playoffs. Like guys just don't play as much, you know, um, just injury management. And it seems like teams are also building their teams on the fly a little bit more than they used to. So they're more just like trying stuff. The Bucks, prime example of that, like as opposed to previous regular seasons, like they took this one to like figure out defenses and trade for PJ Tucker. And so like, I, I build up to this moment and it does feel like it's kind of had like a little bit of a, a wet fart, especially in, yeah. in the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, you can tell like like last night or the other, the on a Wednesday night, I guess it was, when the Suns won and what they won the Western Conference Finals, the CP3 industrial complex was like the train had already left the station. Do you know what I mean? Like it arrived and all everybody was ready to be like, this this is now cemented his legacy. This was always the CP3 season. Talk to us about the years in the wilderness that you went through to get to get to this place. What was it about Monty? What was it about Book? What was it about Phoenix? Even Robert Sarver got a redemption moment. You know what I mean? Where he was just mm-hmm. like, we're not done yet. And it's just like, and he was like, it wait lasted. a second. Do I have to pay for another set of hats if we win the finals? <laughs> Is that also on me? Did you see the thing that came out about him today? About like him making this really like strange uh, funeral speech about a guy who I guess was philandering in front, like, in front of all of his family? No. What happened? <laughs> yeah. This came out today. I think this is like a true hoop story. That, and this is like, what, two days after they won the Western Conference Finals? It was just like, hey, by the way, Robert Sarver last year told this, like, made this speech at some guy's uh, funeral in front of his family that, like, he was actually, like, philandering on the side and was, like, a real tomcat. Which is supposed to be, like, kind of like, you guys, we all love Dave. He liked to get after it. You know, we, we know that, right? <laughs> He sounds like Will yeah, Ferrell so. in Wedding Crashers. Like he likes going to weddings, you know, like I'll, going to I'll funerals. You guys could look it up, but like there is something to do with a sock that happened to belong to Steve Nash that was oh, no. used for very improper reasons. I'll, oh, I'll just no. say that. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> we'll take that. So, so congratulations to Robert Sarver. It's a, it's a big moment for him. Um, yeah. yeah, no, but like I think that what I was really saying was just that like the CP3 thing I felt like was really like we were almost so excited to have anything to kind of be, be like, that's our true North Chris Paul, Chris Paul mm-hmm. being in the finals is a story. It's an actual thing to follow. It's an actual thing that we thought might happen. And now it's like, I think that the same thing will happen if the bucks get there and it can be like Giannis going from this, you know, two time MVP regular season stat machine. And now he's figured out how to be a playoff a playoff champ too, like a, to be, be like an excellent postseason player. We're clinging to it. We're clinging to yeah. it because we've lost so many of these players. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. 
But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two for five dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two for five dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. I wanted to, with Justin, I thought it would be fun, kind of as a way of like looking back on some of the performances and some of the things that we've seen over the postseason, to draft are all NBA playoff teams. Now, I think that there's two ways of doing drafts. Like sometimes you can be like, here are all the rules. You have to have like a certain amount of games played or something. I think that I'm open to interpretation here. I think that if you mm. want to put, if you want to put a guy who played like one playoff game in here, you know, if that's fine. If you want to have a, a, a group of people who are mostly like still in action right now, that's fine. But we're going to draft back and forth. We're going to do it all NBA style. I've made a slight tweak. So it's two guards, two wings, and a center is what you're drafting. And I'm going to put Justin on the spot here and say we also have to pick a coach. Oh, okay. Um, Can I ask a couple questions? A couple ground rules here. Not to put on my Rusilla hat here, but uh, so is this team playing together one or is this just like all NBA? I want to pick the best players for the best spots. I thought we could decide this together because I was hoping you would ask me this. On one hand... You know, obviously, all NBA is just like, I think all NBA teams, generally speaking, would kick ass. But you're not really <laughs> thinking about like, hey, if you have this guy, this guy, and this guy, there's not enough ball to go around. Right. I think we could do that for for this if you want to. Like, we could pick a team that we actually think would win the finals and that we would like to see play with one another and the way super teams are going. Maybe we might get a chance. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, like I want I, I guess like, I wanted to see what you thought. I'd go the other way. I tend to think that all NBA should just be a representation of the best players. Let's just do representation of the best players. So um, you're my guest. So you get the number one pick. Okay. And one more question. Yeah, sure. And this is based purely off of playoff performance. Nothing else. Nothing else. Like that's it. That like, like time started when the tip off of the first playoff game started. And so my number one player should be the player I think is the best player in the, in the playoffs. Yes. Factoring in like you know, you have to worry about positional depth in a, a typical draft and whatnot. Yeah. Like you wouldn't want to take, you know, I think that we only have to make two picks, right? So it's like you, there's probably two centers that we both th- could make an argument had good playoffs. Right. But when you get sure. into the wings and the guards, it gets a little trickier. 
Yeah, but if I'm being tactical, like maybe I wait on that center. You know what I mean? How did <laughs> because... I wake up and be in a draft with another <laughs> fantasy? This is crazy. <laughs> okay. Um, I have first pick. Yeah. That's very, very kind of you. Um, all right. I'm going to go Chris Paul. He's okay. the best player in this postseason. I also, one of the big things I think we should talk about is like how much like actually winning series matters. Um, I definitely weighted players who are still playing one and players who advance farther more than other players, even though there are some players, I'm sure we all know who those are that like had incredible one rounds or two rounds. Um, but Paul to me has just been like everything you would want from a playoff MVP, a dominant player, just taking the entire postseason by the throat. And that last game that they played against the Clippers at Staples Center was the prime example of that, where it's like you don't hear from Chris Paul much in the first half. Maybe like he's flopping a little bit, but he's typically like setting people up, making sure Devin Booker is being aggressive. Then all of a sudden, like he takes over the game. He ends up with 41 points. And like he ends up getting uh, Patrick Beverly on tilt to the point where he's ejected, almost gets boogie ejected. It's like he is such a mastery and just like a vice grip over the game right now. It is like so incredible. And like to put on my sports writer, like I'm trying to uh, to like warp what's happening into this big picture theme. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it's it's really interesting that like we've gone to this age of NBA where everything is so programmatic, like so three and D and the offenses are so turbocharged and the player that is rising amidst the chaos is a guy who won is the best mid range shooter in the NBA. Kirk Goldsberry had a good piece on this the other day. Like he is better than Durant, even though he's like a foot smaller, um, at least. And <laughs> yeah. And he's just like, he's, he's making something out of nothing. And I think like, I think it's appropriate that he is the playoff MVP of this particular postseason. Yeah, he... So I, I've, I've felt this about the Suns for a while. When you watch them, the word that always comes to mind about the Suns is platonic. Like that Suns starting lineup to me is like the platonic ideal of an NBA starting lineup. Today and also you could argue it would have been the same maybe like 15, 20 years ago where it's like you have a prototype center, you have two prototype wings, and you have the prototypical scoring guard and the, the, the broke the mold. This is the guy in the lab. If you were going to make a point guard, you would give him this dude's brain and this dude's sense of space. Maybe you'd make him a little taller or whatever. But like <laughs> this guy's idea in his concept, like when you watch all of these playoff games and you, there, there's been so many runs and Justin was talking a little bit earlier about watching the regular season and feeling like it's basically this, you know, uh, rehearsal for the postseason and that that's why this is it felt a little anticlimactic to see so many superstars go out but during the regular season if a team goes up 25 chances are that the team that's down is probably like well we lost that one you know and then you're going to try and keep it respectable but there's it's unlikely that a team is going to put everything together to make a 25 make up a 25 point difference in february but that's mm-hmm. happening pretty routinely in the postseason now maybe not 25 points but double digit leads getting erased runs so what you basically need is a guy who's going to stop the bleeding. And that ultimately is, comes down to the point guard and LeBron's really great at it. And, you know, the only person who's better than LeBron at it is Chris Paul. He's the mm-hmm. only, and, and it, it's been debated. It's already been dissected to death, but that Clippers cut it to seven in game, in game six. And Chris Paul is just like, nope, we're not, we are not going to get into trading body blows with these guys at, at, in their gym. Like we're going to put this right. away now. And that is a, 
a unique talent in the NBA. So I, I applaud your pick. I, I guess my only counter would be, did he miss too much time in these playoffs, even though he's still in the playoffs? It's a great point. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of giving him a pass just because his absence was COVID related. Although I have to say, like, did you watch after they won that game the other night and he was just like really liberal about who he was touching and like going so into the stands? I, yeah. I mean, I'm, <laughs> that was I'm wild. I have now officially gotten to the point where I just I don't understand why some guys are wearing masks. Some guys aren't. Some guys are hugging random fans. Some guys seem to be like off by themselves in different parts of the bench area. Like mm-hmm. some coaches are wearing masks. Some coaches aren't like. And and then even in the did you have you been to a game in the last couple no, I of weeks? Haven't. No. So I it's like it also seems like we've gotten kind of to that like that like it's just below my nose or hanging off my chin area, <laughs> right? Um, you know, and at Dodger Little Wayne Sta- is yeah. okay. Yeah, at Dodger <laughs> Stadium. Like I went the other week, and Dodger Stadium is obviously outdoors, it's masks off, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's a very confusing time with that stuff, and I I, I just still don't really do do, like, do we know like what happened to Chris Paul? Was he was it a did he get COVID or did someone he know had COVID so he was in protocols? There seems to be a consensus that he did have COVID. I can't tell if he was vaccinated before or not because I hear something different every single time. Okay. All right. Can I make a counter to my own like pick? Oh, you wanna if, you wanna argue the, the opposite side? Yeah, because I asked specifically about like, are we building a team for a specific reason? Because I think it's well documented how much Chris Paul like grinds on people. Uh And like there are plenty of examples of this. Just like watch any game with Blake Griffin and him or DeAndre Jordan or any of the Clippers actually. Um, I've really figured out like why during that post game celebration the other night where little Wayne, he goes and, and like daps him up and then brings him in. And like then proceeds to like parade little Wayne around to all of his new friends. Like he's like, Hey, DeAndre (laughs) a and me little Wayne. And he's like, hey, campaign, have you met my friend Little Wayne? It was like, it was very like you are in college, but your your brother's friends are all in high school and like you decide to buy beer with them, or like beer for Yo, them this and then guy you want to hang out with them. Dedication too. You should download it. It's really good. <laughs> right. Um Right. It was it was really like you could tell how much he needs younger people to like look up to him. I also it was also really funny when he was like like on the verge of tears he was like billy crystal that's my family man (laughs) this guy is famous man you are you are really famous all right so let's chris paul i'm gonna go the opposite direction what justin did so justin has obviously picked the guy who probably has had the defining performance of the nba playoffs uh he's 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 done more to change maybe the way people have looked at him than any other player i'm gonna go for with a guy who wasn't with us very long in the NBA playoffs, but gave the single greatest individual performance that I've seen, and that's Kevin Durant. I'm going to put him at wing. Mm. He did not make the Eastern Conference Finals. He was two inches, or maybe even less than that, short of one of the great game-winning shots I had ever seen in my life had that that three-pointer in regulation gone in against the Bucs, uh, but instead of the two, and then obviously he really ran out of gas, but his performance uh, throughout the playoffs, but especially against the Bucs, is some of the best offensive basketball I've ever seen in my life. He really basically never sat. Uh, he's right. coming off of an Achilles tendon tear, which Justin and I are both old enough to remember that point five years ago when that just meant your career was over. Like, yep. you might come back and you might be Wesley Matthews or something, and no disrespect to Wesley Matthews, it's really impressive, impressive that he's back, but that was just supposed to be it. 
you're not supposed to be able to do what Durant is doing. Uh, and to me, when the chips are down, I think he's I think he's the best player in the NBA. You know, and it's a great uh, pick. And I thought like he he gave us a couple of those nights where it's like that's why you watch playoff basketball is to see a guy like that do something like that. Yeah, and he's playing in Team USA this summer, I can't which that. like. I can't, and I didn't realize this until I looked it up yesterday. Also, Draymond and Steve Kerr are on that team. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> He's just like thrusting himself. Well, I think into, him and like, Draymond are still cool. I didn't. I don't. I just didn't know that Kerr and him were were cool. But you know, it's all yeah. Twitter, man. Yeah. Have you watched Last Chance U, the basketball season of it? No. Is he involved in that somehow? No, he's not. But it, it's a ver- it's really good. But I, I think about this a lot now where there's this one scene where there's this player who used to be on the level of a Kevin Durant as a prospect, but he went through a lot of trouble. And now like he is trying to find a college scholarship to get into like, like a, he ends up at Long Beach State, spoiler alert. But he talks about the difference between a hooper and a basketball player. And like, I feel like that was Kevin Durant's postseason. Like, that's the best way to explain it, where it's just like there really wasn't much else. You, like, if you wanted to like diagram like all the play breakdowns and all this other stuff, you could, but it really came down to this amazing basketball player being able to get a bucket. Yeah. Like, the difference between a hooper and a basketball player is someone when you need a, to score, he will. A basketball player is someone who's like a little bit more programmatic, like who'll do the right things when you drill them into him. Kevin Durant is very much the former. And I'm just like, oh, that. That is what that there means. was that clip going around. I can't remember from what postseason it was, but it was Pat Bev and Lou Williams on the Clippers. And I guess it was from like the Warriors postseason where he was going off. And there was like a post, it was like a post game press conference with those two guys. And Durant had just like exploded for however many points. And, and Lou Williams and Pat Beverly were laughing at a question they were asked because I think it was like, a, Do you guys think about switching up coverages? And he was just like, We did. Like, it's not like we right. didn't talk about, like, maybe we should stop him. You know, we can right. double him. But we can, it's like, there's a certain point where there's a guy who's, like, operating in a rarefied air and is just, like, able to score score the basketball on anything you want to throw at him. So, yeah, I mean, he's, it's really cool to have him him back in the cut. He needs to log off. What's your, uh, <laughs> what's your second pick? All right, so this one's difficult because I do feel like the wing depth is a little more shallow than some of these other positions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to corner the market on the guards and I'm going to go with Trey Young. Okay. Uh, definitely the injuries are a factor here, but I feel like this is one of the best postseason debuts we've ever seen. Yep. And to the, to the point where Kevin Pelton had, on ESPN had a piece about this the other day, like ranking those. And he was, I think he was fourth. Um, but just in terms of points scored, he had the fourth most in a debut behind the likes of LeBron, Luca, and Anthony Davis. So he's very much in a rarefied air. And just considering where he was, even going into the postseason, and especially like where we were with him at the All-Star break and earlier this season, like it's one of the most miraculous, like, oh shit, this guy is awesome, like turnaround that I I can never remember. I, I think that for for me, as somebody who I actually watched him a fair amount at Oklahoma. And then I got kind of tired of the way he was playing in Atlanta pretty quickly where, mm-hmm. you know, whenever I would see him play the Sixers or something like that, I would just be like, man, this is like all the worst aspects of Harden's game, but without the wins. So I'm just yep. actually watching a loser. You know? And <laughs> so I think I kind of zoned out a little bit on, on Trey 
for for a while there. And what's impressed me most over the last few months, checking them out since McMillan took over, because it felt like that was a page turn moment for him in his career, is just the emphasis that I I've put like watching him on his passing, which is really really like incredible. And also just because he's somebody who he's that rare small guard who seems to use everything about his body is an advantage rather than a disadvantage. You know, and mm-hmm. it's like, there's only a few guys. There's like Paul, Iverson, Nash, Trey are guys that are able to, and Isaiah Thomas was was at his best, uh, the Boston Isaiah Thomas was at, at his best, was able to do this, where it's like he's almost somehow using his size as like, oh, you you don't understand the angles I can see from down here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, And he's mastered that Steve Nash, the run under the backboard, and like then now flip the axis of the floor where he's playing point guard from under the hoop and he can hit guys like he can kick out for a three or he can find a cutter or he can go back up for the floater. He's just got such an incredible bag. It's it's just really awesome to watch. I, I love that Trey pick and it, that, that that is something I did not think I would be saying at the end of the playoffs is I love that right. Trey Young pick. He uh, He warps the floor in ways that like every way you would want from an offensive player. Like, I think we think about this in terms of gravity and in particular with shooting and certainly like the deep threes have an effect on everyone else, but like also the passing as you're mentioning, but also just like the foul drawing, like it's not something that I would endorse. I don't enjoy watching it. And I'm glad that they might be legislating it out of the game very shortly, but like, it almost feels like he plays with a force field around him because guys are just like, scared to get near him because he might just like wiggle his butt back into them and then all of a sudden he's on the free throw line and you could see like how everything opens up from there i am curious like once they legislate out the free throw thing like whether or not like he will be as effective because of that but right now it's almost like he just like he makes the floor just like like just completely different it's an open concept with him out there as opposed to like all this furniture cluttered into the one space well it's also like this is you know he's going through this postseason you mentioned how young he is obviously he's in the luca and Aiton class but you know he's got the shoulder injury now he has a bone bruise on his foot it seems unlikely that we're going to see him unless i wonder if there's a game seven and he's just like i i have to go out there um but i can't believe the amount of contact he takes you know, and like there's a lot of co- bullshit contact that he initiates by like torpedoing into a guy like 15 feet from the hoop, but he will take it to the to the cup and like he'll he'll hit the deck and he pays for it. So respect. It's really like he's an incredibly tough player, like even, even if he's also sometimes a cheap one. Um, <laughs> so for my second pick, this is actually kind of hard because like now you get into like, OK, I want to get, you know, I want to I want to protect my my uh, my team here in terms of positional optionality but since Justin has his backcourt I'm going to go ahead and take Giannis uh, as my other wing you know before the injury I mean me and Waz went on Bill's pod the night Giannis got hurt and Bill had initially planned on having Ben Thompson on who's a huge Bucks fan and does the Stratechery newsletter to basically be like are we underrating how good he is I you know the free throws the free throw clock um, some of the maybe misguided three-pointers that he was taking earlier in the playoffs, a lot of the sort of ball handling that he was doing or to kind of stopping up the Bucks' offense by like dribbling at the top of the key for eight seconds or nine seconds. That aside, the numbers are the numbers. And and like if when, when we look back on this playoffs, I think we're just going to be gobsmacked by what he was able to accomplish offensively and playing his ass off defensively, like guarding three or four different guys. Um, I think this is going to be an incredible finals to see 
what are, what's going to happen? Is this going to be Chris Paul's moment? Is this going to be Giannis's moment? I think we'll probably have a Booker conversation in the next couple of minutes. But the the the, the opportunity, it's like this might be the best chance. This will be the best chance either of them ever has to win the finals. So like it's all it's all out there for the taking. Yeah, I mean, you could say a lot about the free throw shooting, about the three point shooting. I mean, we basically did in the previous segment, but like. He went toe-to-toe with Kevin Durant, mm-hmm. who is, as we just mentioned, having one of the best postseasons ever. He came one Steve Nash shot, uh, sock uh, away from making this one of the best postseasons ever. And that means something. Like That is the difference between a Bucks team that can go toe-to-toe with the Suns versus one that, even if they make it past the Eastern Conference Finals, you would expect to be just like kindling for, for that team. Uh, I think the thing that gets lost among all of this is just like the impact that he has on the defensive end. I looked this up beforehand, best defensive rating in the playoffs among anyone who's played double-digit games. And like you look at it, it's like it's mostly Bucks players too. And like that's right. probably a big factor why they won last night. It's also a big factor why like they've been so successful. Like he just completely changes things on that end. And like I think it's a good pick for that reason. Like one of the few players I think we're probably going to mention who's two way impact. Like he affects both sides of the ball as opposed to just like being just completely dynamic on offense. Okay, so it's uh, your third pick now. Okay, so I'm just going straight off my board here. Best player available. Um, I'm going to go with Paul George. So I'm loading up on wings and guards here, but I think that there's like a real conversation to be had about like who was the best player when available between him and Kawhi. Mm -hmm. But Paul George has been available literally more than any other player in this postseason. He gave it everything, man. Absolutely everything. 776 minutes over 19 games he played, which was 130 more than the number two on that list, who's Devin Booker. He's just like, he, he did everything you could possibly ask for. Like I, there are certainly times when like Reggie Jackson had to step up and fill the void in crunch time, but like they don't get as far as they did without Paul George. I mean, he basically played like three months of basketball in the span of what a couple of weeks, two months, maybe uh, just like a heroic feat that I think like really is uh, causing people to think about him differently than they had been, including myself going into this postseason. He also got a chance to get off the mat a couple of times. He had some bad games when he missed the two free throws down the stretch. He had some, some pandemic P games, but he had a lot of playoff P games. Like he, he really did. He's not the guy who's going to be perfect every night, I guess that's Durant. I guess in some ways that's like statistically that's Giannis. More often than not, it's it's a guy like, you know, Luca will have the the gaudy numbers. George is not in that league. He's not in Kawhi's league if they're both healthy. You know, I mean, Kawhi, I think, was getting into that, oh shit, is this the best two-way player on the planet zone right before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. But you're right, man. I mean, like, if if you I don't think you're you're laughing at Paul George anymore. Did you consider Kawhi at all? Not to like reveal the rest I of did. your board. I, I certainly yeah. did. I thought, I mean, I didn't, he's, he's just, it's so, it's so interesting. Cause he's like quieter than Giannis, the way he puts, puts his nights together. And it's, it's very old school and like, Hey, it's really building. Have you looked at Kawhi's numbers? He's got 28 and going into the third quarter here. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it's, it's like, and you start to realize you know, just just what an amazingly diverse offensive player he is and just how many different things he does on a basketball court. Uh, I, I don't really, like, think that his injury or his departure earlier in the playoffs is any that, that significantly different than, like, Durant going out in the second round. Uh, 
you know, and, and we just don't know what happened to his knee. I mean, like, there still haven't been, like, an official announcement. It's like, was it, like, a tear? Is it, like, just a strain, a sprain? Did he hyperextend it? Like, what happened? But I definitely right. considered it. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because you look at the efficiency boards and he's still, like, leading the playoffs in PER. Yeah. And you you forget, like, especially in that first round. Like, he was the difference. Like, Luca was taking over the series and he just decided, I am going to guard him on one end and then I'm going to pretty much match him on the offensive end. Like, he really just, like, had the type of game that, like, you wish he would have all the time, but, like, mm-hmm. he probably has to save himself up for, like, moments like this, like, for the playoffs. He load manages for the playoffs. I th- But I think this is the case where, like, I'm actually glad that we don't have to go purely off of statistics because, like, we have the results in order to influence our picks here. And, like, Paul George played that extra round and, like, Push them to the point where like they almost won that series. Like I, I'll be honest. Like if they had Kawhi, I think they probably would have won that series against the Suns. Yeah, and he did as good a job as possible. Like you know, like credit to Reggie Jackson, credit to some of these other guys. But like they shouldn't have been in that series. And Paul George was like the main reason why. Right. So for my third pick, I am going to go with a guard, and I'm going to take Devin Booker. Uh, okay. So. This is a guy up there with Trey Young, who I think I really did. I respected the hell out of Devin Booker. Like, I loved his game. Like, much like Kawhi, I love the kind of, like, diversity of his offensive game. Like, I love the different levels of his scoring. But I think that I was a little bit cynical about, like, hashtag built diff. You know what I mean? Like, it, like <laughs> right. a lot a lot of, like, Mamba mentality. Like, this guy, it's neck, he's next. And, like, a lot of, like, just sort of like, what's this is the coming attraction. When's the movie going to start? And the movie started. You know, like, watching him go through that Clippers series, um, you know, he had to deal with Patrick Beverly living in his, in his pocket for the entire time. He's got a broken nose, face mask on, face mask off. And for as gaudy and sensational as some of Paul's performances were in terms of, like, the narrative, Booker's the spinal cord of that team. Like, Booker... And his steady clip of 27, 28, 29 a night or whatever it is keeps that Suns team afloat so that they can withstand any variance. And so really impressive. And it's also just really cool to see like a two guard. Like, you know, like he mm-hmm. is he is the shooting guard of of like of the way like how we grew up thinking of like, you know, I think he's got a lot more to his game maybe than say Ray Allen right now. Like it reminds me more of like Ray Allen on like the Bucks kind of, yeah. you know, than, than the Heat. But totally. he has so much, so much uh, refinement to his offensive game. It's really awesome to watch. So Booker's my my guard there, first pick. Okay, yeah, I, I think it's interesting with him. Like I think two or three years ago, he would have been pushed into the Harden mold, where and he literally was going to be pushed into that, where he was the ball handling guard who did everything for the team, and then yeah. everything just revolved around him. There was I think a lot it's of point interesting. Booker, why- it was going to be like he's going to be the playmaking. Yeah. Yep. And then they didn't really go that route. They paired him with like just like a pass first point guard. Even before like Chris got there, they were doing a little bit more of that. And you're starting to see like how he's been able to thrive in that role. It's it's been interesting to watch because Donovan Mitchell, another prime example of this, like where Mike Conley comes in and just almost unlocks him in a way that uh, hadn't prior. And it's just like it, it seems like it's just purely not having as much to do right like mm-hmm. it's funny how like if you just get, allow someone to just focus on what they do well and not just overload them with things that are unnecessary like they could do pretty good you yeah know? absolutely uh, the, the only thing that's really like that led me to push booker down on my board was just like he didn't really rise to the occasion during these paul games and you could probably say a lot of that was the mask it seemed like he really had a difficult time with that like he 
had it on one game, had it off. It probably limited his aggressiveness until that last uh, Western Conference Finals game. And But he really didn't have the statistical output that I probably would have liked in order to draft him a little bit higher. Right. Yeah, I think that all, all in all, like it, it was like a body of evidence, like a body of work. You know, he was, yeah, 22 in the closeout game was kind of like, you know, riding in the passenger seat to greatness with Paul, who had 41 that night. And he had a bad three-point shooting night against the Clippers that closeout game, one for seven. So sometimes the outside shooting, I think, abandons him a little bit and that that will kind of trip him up. But yeah, like I think now that we're getting into this zone, we're going to have a couple of positional debates. And then I think we're also going to, you know, be, maybe we'll get a couple of more obscure names. So who's your fourth pick? Just to recap, you have two guards and one wing, right? Yeah, I have Chris Paul, Trey Young, and Paul George. Okay. And right now, so those are three of the top four on my board. So I'm really happy with where I am right now in this draft. Um, I'm going to go with number five, who is one Joel Embiid. Mm. who had just an absolutely fucking magnificent playoff ruined by the scourge of Philadelphia, Ben Simmons. Uh, like, you just look at all of those statistics, man. Like, two-way impact, net rating, uh, leading the playoffs and free throws attempts. Uh, his three-point percentage, I completely forgot this was like 40%. Yeah. Like, had just an absolutely awesome, awesome playoffs and really just, like, didn't have enough to back him up, which is like really disappointing because I, I mean, like everything was shaping up for this guy to win MVP, to lead his team to the finals. And it just didn't happen that way. And I don't think any of it's his fault. Like, I guess you could fault maybe like some of his, his bones because they don't really stand up to the test of time. I mean, but he like, played, he, he awesome. played most of the playoffs on a torn meniscus. You are right. But I will say that I think that being like Embiid was let down by his supporting cast is a little, is slightly easy narrative. I felt like Embiid's okay. late game performances, especially against the Hawks, were somewhat disappointing. And especially in the last two losses to the Hawks, I felt like he was very sloppy with the ball down the down the stretch. And totally. ultimately, like, you know, Kevin Durant, you watch him out there and he's playing with a hobbled James Harden, Bruce Brown, Joe Harris. Landry Shamit, like this collection of guys that they've got that was not the intended sort of they they didn't they didn't intend for that to be the Nets. They didn't intend for James Harden to not be able to hit the front of the rim from three point range during a playoff series. And Kevin Durant, like, just left it all out there. But also I never really saw Kevin Durant like his body language never changed, his like energy never really changed towards his team. And 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 I think that. Embiid had had a little bit of a tendency to like sink his shoulders when he felt like he was being let down by his team or let by, down by circumstances. He has every right to be frustrated by Simmons. I don't think Simmons is going to be on the Sixers next year. So that that situation will probably take care of itself. But I did think that Embiid still needs to learn the last part about being a star, which is that ultimately the buck stops with you. And if the Suns had lost that series, that would have been on Chris Paul. You know what I mean? Like nobody would have been like, yeah, but Aiden didn't help him out enough. Right. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you on the late game stuff, like definitely a lot of turnovers and just seemed like he tried to take over and just really wasn't in his bag. Like it really seemed like there was a difference between like a monster truck versus a Ferrari. And like you see how that type of player, the monster truck player, like can't really do what a Durant does when you really need him to. Like he's an awesome isolation player, but like, is he going to get you those buckets when you need them to? I guess my counter to that would just simply be like, if you had 
Jimmy Butler instead of Ben Simmons if that uh, trade off had gone differently and he just would to still pick be on that player team. at random. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Like, would they have the closer to compliment him? Did he have the right guys around him to compliment him after like Danny Green went out and you're playing more Thibel and guys who are a little bit more uh, limited shooting wise and thus you're going to get a little bit more crowded? I don't know. I, I, I would love to have the answer. Wanna, I would love to have this answer. This. Um, yeah. I'll pick my uh, my fourth player here. So you've got Embiid, um, Paul George, Chris Paul, and Trey Young. I have um, Durant, Booker, Giannis. My fourth player. I'm gonna go. Can I? Luke is a guard, right? I don't want to tell you the answer because <laughs> I still want to pick him. I, I want to go technically a forward. No, he's not. You're lying. <laughs> I think if you look positionally, I think he's a forward. I think he's yeah. probably like a guard forward. But he was a guard so, on all NBA this year, though. It was him I and Steph for the yeah him and Steph for the backcourt for the All NBA team, right? I believe so. So I'm going to go with Luca as my guard. Okay. Um, <laughs> Luca probably has still, even though I think Trey is awesome and Aiton's obviously awesome. We've learned so much about a lot of these guys, and I think Luca still, you know, the, he'll we'll get into the like, is it Luca's supporting cast or could Luca do some different things usage wise and distribu- distribution wise and maybe like you know, getting other guys involved. Sure. We can have that conversation, but, uh, like Luca, I think has the best shot of that group of players to be a transcendent franchise changing, like LeBron esque figure in the league going forward. Mm-hmm. He's incredible. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, he lost to the Clippers, so I'm not saying like, he, you know, it's not like he doesn't have things to work on. And, and, you know, I think that, that there was definitely some challenges and in, I think that that Clipper series, he was obviously like so erratic. Like, you know, he was himself consistent, but I think that just the the swings that that series took were so you like just not like what we're used to in the NBA. I mean, all road wins and these these huge leads and then huge leads getting getting erased. So it was very strange playoffs, but I definitely think that like we're we're looking at the ultimate offensive weapon in a lot of ways, you know, um, both in terms of scoring, but also in terms of playmaking. Yeah. I mean, very LeBron first finals vibes from him where like if a couple games go a little bit differently, we might be saying like, holy shit, Luca just brought Drew Gooden and like Danielle Marshalls to the, uh, the Western conference finals, you know, like he had that level of impact where he did so much more with, with the least amount uh, and it's pretty incredible. I mean, his best teammate was probably like Tim Hardaway Jr. in that series, and they might <laughs> not even that. bring him back. Yeah, it's just it was unbelievable. Uh, I really hope they get him some some better teammates because he could do some awesome stuff in the future. Uh, who's your fifth pick? So this one is difficult because I have to pick a wing at this point, right? Because mm-hmm. <sighs> I have DeAndre in higher, but I can't pick him. And really, like. Damian Lillard is a guard, so I can't pick him. I guess I have to go with Kawhi because it's between Kawhi and Middleton for me. Right. I think Kawhi was more consistent in the appearances he made than Middleton has been, even though he's got more more games played. Right, right. Maybe by the end of this playoffs, we could look back and say Middleton, but yeah, Kawhi was an assassin early on for all the re- reasons I said earlier about like why I would even consider him over Paul George even. Okay, I'm going to go with... Uh, I mean, we talked, we talked a little bit about Kawhi, but so I'll, I'll just go with, uh, I'll go with Aiden here for my center. Yeah. You know, Jokic, I guess you could consider um, for sort of single-handedly beating the the Blazers. I don't know if that was more of an indictment on the Blazers than it was uh, like a sort of tribute to the Nuggets, but 
that was like that was an incredible performance. I think it was somewhat overshadowed by like Lillard's heroics in a losing effort, but it was still a really impressive performance by uh, Jokic. But we're not talking about Jokic; we're talking about Aiton. Aiton's probably done more for his like stock or like the perception of him around the league. A lot of people who like going into the playoffs, I think people who were big supporters of his are probably feeling pretty good about about their their basketball <laughs> acumen now. Um, he's you know look he's able to do what guys like Rudy and some other big, big name centers weren't able to do, which is stay on the floor in the NBA postseason. Um, that's the big one. Yeah. Yep. And maybe that's, maybe that's the, the biggest thing you could say about him. He averaged 38 minutes in that Clippers series. He played 40 in the closeout game. Like you're not taking him off the floor. And if anything, his physicality and his aggressiveness to go back to aggressiveness, like, Force the Clippers to do things that they probably wouldn't wanted to have. Like they had to play Zubac at starting center and had to play him a lot. Mm-hmm. There are times where they had to put Demarcus Cousins in the game, and like even when they went micro in that last game, like you were seeing Cousins come in, and it seemed like to kind of read the tea leaves, they were putting him in specifically because Aiton on a matchup with Terrence Mann would like power him down low. Even though the statistics didn't probably show it, like that trickle down effect was was like spreading throughout the entire game. It was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was a really, in a lot of ways, like Aiton is like, is like the center's last stand. You know, I mean, at least in these playoffs, like Jokic and Bede, Gobert have all been eliminated, but Aiton is playing a pure center role. He's playing with probably the best point guard you can play with if you're a center, which is Paul. And like his lobs and his ability to run at pick and roll with Aiton is just, there's nobody who can orchestrate that better. And he's the beneficiary of that. And he looks awesome on both ends of the floor. I also just think he's like got a really fun personality. He's just been really enjoyable to follow throughout <laughs> this postseason. So I'm happy to have him as CR's center. So I think we got okay. our teams, right? Yeah. You want to run through him again? Yeah. So my starting five, uh, I got Luca and Devin Booker in the backcourt. Durant and Giannis um, are my wings. And DeAndre Ayton is my center. Okay. And I have Chris Paul and Trey Young in the backcourt. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, along with one Joel Embiid. Anybody you're really surprised we didn't pick or didn't didn't come off the board? <sighs> the only the best player available that didn't get picked was Jokic for me. Yeah, you know, I mean, I I had a take simmering during the playoffs where I was like, if Jokic doesn't lead this team to the second round, I'm gonna look at his MVP win differently because you know that whole, yeah. whole axiom of like if you are the guy, you should be able to get your team to the second round. Like the West is probably more brutal than ever before, but I kind of can't stop myself from thinking that. And I was thinking like, I get it. Jamal Murray's not there. Will Barton isn't even there. Gary Harris isn't even there, but you have enough to beat the Blazers. And I'm glad that he did because then I didn't have to really like put that out into the world. I also, I mean, would have liked to have seen that. I'll be interested to see, even if, you know, you lose Murray and Murray's going to be out, I think for a bit of the regular season next year. I, I would like to see like Aaron Gordon with a training camp on that team. Cause it, I think he was starting to come into his own. The MPJ thing will probably be like a, an, a whole off season debate about what to do with him and whether, you know, you can have a team that works with MPJ and Jokic and Murray on the floor at the same time. I think that you can, but like Porter is obviously like on a night to night basis is going to be a little bit erratic, but yeah, I mean, Jokic had to carry that team no matter what. Um, if we kept picking, well, we could do coaches before we're done. But like, if we kept picking, how like how long do you think it would have taken to to, to see a Re- Reggie Jackson, or or somebody <laughs> like really obscure come off the the board? 
I, we were getting there. Yeah. Right. Guards like, especially. Think, yeah. Guards yeah. especially. I mean, the only two other guys that I had that we didn't mention or that we didn't pick were Jokic and Lillard and I guess Middleton. Um, but after that, we're we're like scraping the bottom of the barrel. We're talking about like uh, Bobby Portis right now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> what about you? I think that like, like campaign, has campaign had a better playoffs than Drew Holiday? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you could definitely make the argument. Um, Not defensively, your, but yeah. Who who would your coach be? I'd go with Ty Lue. Uh, just the fucking masterclass in terms of matchups and adjustments. Like, I am just blown away just watching him do things and, like, work the knobs. It was incredible. Like, no shouts, no, like, shade to Monty Williams, but, like, oh, my God. I just have an entire new respect for that guy. Yeah, I mean, I think Ty dealt with some stuff that would have broken other coaches in half. And the fact that Everything in NBA postseason conventional wisdom suggests you should play seven guys. And, you know, it's everything is about like these sort of almost like inning to inning kind of pitching matchups. These these very specific like, okay, this guy has to go play against this guy and then we need to gird against this guy being exposed. Tyloo played like 10 dudes on a nightly basis. And yeah. on any given night, it was like Luke Kennard might get benched for two games and then he might star in a third game. You know, and I think he obviously communicated to his team that that was like the reality that they were living in where he was like, at any given moment, I need you not only to be ready to play, but be ready to contribute. And that was mm-hmm. really impressive to watch. I'll take Monty. Um, you know, I think that uh, really heartwarming story, obviously, with his personal background coming through uh, the tragic accident. Um, but, you know, with his family, but like just also in general, like you can tell the connection his team has to him. And I think that beyond the X's and O's, I mean, he drew up probably maybe by accident, the most famous play of this postseason, which is the value. <laughs> sure. But uh, yeah, really, really cool story. So yeah, Ty and Monty, I think we're in a class by themselves. No doc? No doc. <laughs> no doc. <laughs> not, I, I don't think it's doc's fault, but I did not, no doc. <laughs> he definitely has some blame. Like there's a real like alternate timeline happening with the Sixers. That but how many, how many coaches have reality. to coach the Sixers before we're like, it's the Sixers? <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get into this. Okay. Justin, man, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, group chat next week. You can hear JV and he's also uh, popping up on Green Room from time to time. And I always love it when he comes on the watch. Thanks, man. Or not on the watch. Yeah, thanks on the answer. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> Later. Later.